Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Monday again. I always say it's Monday again at the beginning. I'm going to have to stop doing that. I'm trying to be more efficient with my language. And telling you what day it is doesn't, <laughs> doesn't serve any purpose. Because you're probably not listening to it on the Monday anyway. People kind of pick you up at your own time, don't you? <laughs> God, I'm getting bogged down with bullshit again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a podcast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a podcast. I'm a bit excited today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's my birthday. I'm recording this on my birthday. I've just uh, had a great interview for next week's guests, and uh, I'm on a bit of a high from it, I'll be honest. But a beer as well. So yeah, I'm a bit excitable today, ladies and gentlemen. And for good reason, because it's podcast time. Welcome to the RGM Experience Podcast with me, Carl Maloney, the host. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest is Fran Garrity, comedian. He actually remembers me doing comedy. Jesus. Yeah, we talk about that. Stay tuned. And yeah, we had we we have a great chat with Fran. Member of the circuit when I started out over ten years ago. He's still at it. You've got to work that long to, to get anywhere in any kind of game, it feels like, these days. got to put the graft in, and he's definitely done that. Applaud. We applaud you, Fran. Yeah, Fran's coming up next, but as we like to do, we like to have a little uh, chat before. Catch up with what's been going on here at RGM HQ. Uh, yeah, we've got loads of posts up this week. The festival coverage is flooding in now. Uh, we've got a review of Sound City from Liverpool the other weekend. Sounds like it was uh, uh, quite difficult for the fans at that particular festival. It sounds like it was well sold. Uh, but it, it, nobody could get in anywhere. Uh, especially for the bigger names, all the venues were full. A lot of queuing. Some great music on, don't get me wrong, guys. But the, the feedback that we've had is, you know, it may, may be an oversold a little bit. And it's a bit of a pain in the arse to get in between venues and see who you want to see. Um, feedback. Yeah, I spent last weekend down at Part in the Pews Festival. Finally caught Peter Hook and the Light in a big church. Went on the Friday, went on the Monday as well. A great festival. Um, just loads of fun. <laughs> Met up with Kelly as well. Kelly runs the record label, Ender Trail Records. And he is such a good laugh. I need to get him on as a guest, actually, thinking about it, as on the podcast. He's got stories on stories, that lad. Uh, yeah, if, if you're looking out for new bands to follow, uh, have a click on End of the Trail Records. Uh, find them on the socials. Uh, and Kelly, 
you know, I, I salute you, mate. We had a good chat and a good catch-up. Not seen him for many years. Uh, down at Party in the Pews. Uh, so a great band from Manchester Hollows that I've invested in. Um, not financially, just as um, emotionally, I mean. Like, buying the music and stuff and streaming the tunes. Great band. And that's what it's all about, festivals, isn't it? Um... What else is on RGM? What we else got coming up? Oh, we've just brought out a gig guide as well for May. So if you're looking for things to do in May, have a look at the gig guide. Loads of stuff on there. And it's an interactive gig guide as well. So if you're in a band and you want us to add your gig onto it, just send us a message on the socials. All we need is the gig poster, uh, the date and a ticket link and we'll add it for you. That's even you little guys as well, you know. We're here to support you. It's all about grassroots for us. So get in touch. Just when you see the posts go out, just reply to us, and we'll we'll add you. Um, yeah, loads of reviews as always. Skylights albums just come out, so uh, we're having a good look at that. Previous guests of the podcast. Have a listen back with um, Turnbull. We had a good chat with Turnbull from Skylights on a previous episode. Loads going on as always. Keep in touch with us on Twitter as well at RGM Pod. Let's go through all the li- the links. Boring bit. Uh, you can subscribe, of course. So uh, YouTube, all that bollocks. You know the score. I don't like doing that bit, but it's a necessary evil. And Fran as well. You can uh, you can catch Fran live doing his stand up show. Is uh, is hour long special fifty fifty. Uh, all the links for his show are in the description of this podcast as well, guys. So take a look around. Uh, you'll want to by the end of this interview anyway. So yeah, we have a good chat with Fran coming up now. Cancel culture is always a subject to to approach. Um, funny story from that. You might have heard it on the tees online. Um, but yeah, I'm going to shut up now. This is a bit when you all cheer in the background and say, come on, Carl, let's have a guest. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Fran Garrity, comedian, joins us today on the RGM podcast. Take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. Usually it's musicians, but I do like to throw a comedian uh, into the works every now and again. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I've been joined by comedian Fran Garrity. Hi, mate. Afternoon, how are you? I'm sound, thanks for joining me, mate. And I, I, The first time I saw you in real life was a long time ago when I used to play at stand-up comedy way, many, many, over 10 years ago. And I first... You, you, were, you, you were very good. And what I remember is oh, we you were very smart-looking. You were a very smart-looking man. I did wear scarves and shit, didn't I? I was going through a bit of a phase <laughs> at the you? time. Yeah. Well, it, I, I kind of, I didn't fall in love with comedy. I'm from a musical background. Uh, I I gave it a good go because it's one of those things that I just wanted to try and not regret not trying, if you get me. Um, Yeah, I thought you were all right. You were good. Yeah, well, okay. But I I, I personally didn't work hard enough at the craft of it and have the passion to to do the... Um, to do the travelling that you have to do just to scrabble around getting your first five minutes and stuff like that and play the game and all that kind of stuff. I kind of... I, after, after doing comedy for a bit, I fell into hosting music gigs and then started putting my own music gigs on and ended up going down the music path. So it so it, yeah. so it opened up loads of doors for me, comedy. And the first time we saw you, you was with another guy that used to travel with a lot. Because you're from the northeast way, aren't you? Yeah, northeast of England, yeah. North so it might have been, was it Carl Gillespie? Uh, yeah, a beard, bald head. 
Nick Banks. Nick Banks, that's him, yeah. Was he? Yeah, he's, giving, he's giving it up now. Has he? Bless him. Yeah, because back, you know, you've always, you know, because you have to travel quite a lot. And now you, I met mm-hmm. you in Leeds, so I travel from Sheffield to Leeds. You would have been traveling from the northeast down to Leeds just for an open spot to, you know, to have a go at this thing called comedy. Um, yeah. You you pick up friends along the way, don't you? And people who share petrol money with and all that kind of stuff. It's a, um, it's an interesting way to live your life. Yeah, it is. I mean, you get to meet like other comedians, and some of them mm. run gigs themselves, or they yeah. know other people that do run gigs. So you you kind of build up pretty much that way to be honest is to get yeah. other gigs with other places yeah so it's it's all good it's all good how many years ago that over 10 years surely how, how many years have you been doing comedy now yeah it'd be, ten, it'd be 10 years now wow. now i always say well technically it's 11 but we've had a pandemic yeah and we so we didn't we do anything we don't count year. that one we don't no. count that one <laughs> Count well, that one, no. just talk me through the earlier life of fran garrett when, when did you start to realize that you know, you had, you had funny bones. You've always had a funny face, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those. I've got one of those. You have got a funny face. You've got a funny face. <laughs> but when did you start to realise that? Uh, you know, you 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 had funny bones too. Um, at school, uh, I was mm. uh, I was a bit of a class clown at school. Yeah. Um, and I I did actually go to. Do you know when you sometimes when you're about thirty. 30- of 14 and you have to pick what's called your options at school yes. like what do you want to do for like the rest of your life and what subjects you want to do for like your exams and stuff and i did say to the careers officer i want to be a stand-up comedian <laughs> and uh he literally just did haven't got a clue of what to do or yeah. how to go about it and stuff like that so so i was always quite like it was always in the back of my mind to try and do stand-up comedy but I didn't start it till till later on in my life. I never started it till I was in my, well, I was 40, mm. 40 when I started doing stand-up comedy. So I've, I've got a lot of background in radio as well. I do a lot of radio shows yeah. and stuff like that. So I, I was I was more interested in, like I know you're interested in like music and stuff, but I, I was interested in like sound production. Mm. So I'd done like, I'd done a few courses, uh, went, went and lived in Brighton for a couple of years and did a, high national diploma in like music and film technology and stuff like that. So I was always interested in like music and sound and stuff like that. So I ended up working in a music shop for about 10 years as well. Um, And then I've always had comedy pretty much on the back burner sort of thing. Um, Till I was about, till I was about 40 and then I took the plunge and then. So why, why making the decision when you were a young kid at school, talking to a careers advisor to do comedy, why did it take so long before actually doing it? Because I, I didn't know what to do. Oh, it's just, yeah, to just go. a path. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. Just I didn't know anyone around here that was actually doing mm. comedy at the time. I know there was like comedy shows on and stuff like that. I used to go and watch comedy quite a lot. I used to I used to see more stand up comedy than I used to see live gigs, mm. like live music gigs. Um, but it was always getting that first foot in the door. Never, never knew how to do it. Never knew how to do it. And how? Did and you, then someone. Yeah. Then someone dared me once. We were on a car journey to Derby. It wasn't to do with music or anything like that. And they just said to me, um, if there was one thing in your life you've always wanted to do but never done it, what would it be? And I said it would be stand-up comedy. So he said, right, I'll give you six months to try and do your first gig. And I, I did my gig in the first six months. It was for, for uh, like a new act competition mm. in Darlington. And I, I did the heat, came third. All right. There you go. There you go. 
And then, then it just snowballed from there, really. Like I say, you just got to meet other comedians then, and then that's it, really. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember. How, I, I, I met somebody in a pub in Sheffield, Sarah Prophet, who told me about this place in Leeds called The Verve, where every Tuesday mm. night, um, it's just a free space for comedians, particularly if you're starting off. It's just a safe space to have a go at it just in front of some other comedians and just have a go at it. So that, that that's the place where I met yourself all those years ago. Yeah, it was, yeah. On those Tuesday nights. Yeah. And um, are those places still around for people that are starting? The, yeah, the verb, the verb's still going. Is it still? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so, but I, I don't think I've ever played it since the last time I saw, saw you. <laughs> okay. Never gone back there. Yeah. Never gone back there for no, for no other reason. Yeah. But, but yeah. But there's quite there's quite a few around here now. There's the odd one that pops up every now and then. But then you're talking about sustainability, aren't you? Really after yeah. that, because you know it's an open mic night. You don't get paid uh, unless obviously you're a headliner or you've been yeah. booked as a headliner, or possibly too open. So so the money's not there really. Um, and I know a lot of pubs and clubs just put a night on in the hope of getting like maybe a bucket share at the end of the night and stuff yeah. like that. But there's no guarantee of an audience as well with an open mic night. Mm. It's just pretty much just turn up and see what happens, isn't it? So how did you start gaining traction as a comedian then? When did you first notice that, you know, you know, I've, I've got, I've had this chance of just having six months. I've gone out there. I've done my first gig, come third. What, what kind of steps did you put in place to, to keep going because you've been doing it for 10 years so obviously there's a driving year and, and you know to, to keep doing it where there wasn't with me um my drive was music so i've been doing that for the last 15 years but wh- where did it stem from in you where, where did you how, how did you was, how did you pass probably divide? more probably more down to the writing side of things so yeah. you start off with a really good where well, you you think it's good um five minutes and then you mm. try and extend that 10 minutes and you do 15 minutes and you do 20 minutes mm. and you do half an hour so i was kind of building up like a a nice little backlog of material mm. um so I would, tr- I would want to go out and just just to try it just to see if it works and yeah. try different things and then once you've got like 20 minutes and you're booked to do like a 10 minute spot you have to try and then figure out which bits do you include and which bits do you not include and stuff. Yeah. So it was a case of like suck and see really, just see what happens and see what the audience reactions and stuff like that is. But the, generally, generally they kind of liked me. So that was yeah. all right. The, the more I speak to comedians, the more it just, every time, so it, it, it shouldn't be a secret. It's just down to writing and honing what you've written on stage just taking the bits that work, getting rid of the bits that don't, developing bits, mm. changing bits, mm. trying it out, and just mm. keep doing it and doing it and doing it until it works. There's no other, there's no like secret to it really, is there? It's just that's how you do it. But the the, the hardest thing about it is the dedication you need to get up there every night and keep going. Yeah, it is. And you've also got to have a lot of like relatable material as well. Mm. You, you could have something that you would probably think is the best joke in the world. Yeah. But then only you, only you find it funny. Nobody <laughs> yeah. else finds it funny. I had that so ten, ten years ago. Ten years ago, we were in the Halifax adverts, and I used to read this. I've put it on Facebook recently because it came up as a memory thing. I used to read out this magazine uh, article that just you know, calls out 
uh, it, it, the ten biggest cunts, something like that. Isn't it? it's something, <laughs> something ridiculous. So I used to you because I found it so funny. I kind of used yeah. that because thinking everybody else would, and the, and I, the, the context for it all wasn't set. Up, it wasn't set up right. I was just basically reading it out because I found it funny. Um, and the, there's there's so much legwork you need to do to set up something that you think is funny and you have to do, have you got a certain like kind of formula that you that you've developed over the years or is it no uh, no not really um there's obviously the you do like the premise you do the setup the premise and mm. then the punchline so that yeah. all like comes in threes and stuff like that but then you've got to incorporate i sometimes incorporate like callbacks into my set as well where mm. some of that i've mentioned earlier on then I mentioned later on, yeah. and then people go, "Oh yeah, you mentioned that earlier on." So, but um, I love. I always love I when comedians do that. When it it feels like you've gone on a tangent, and it feels like you're, uh, it it makes it feel like you're doing it for the first time for the audience, doesn't it? Yeah, thinks, yeah. Oh, he's, he's yeah. gone off on a tangent. Oh, then he pulls it back, and then everybody loves yeah. that. The comedy crowds love that, don't they? That that call. they do, they do. Yeah. I think I think with comedy, it's just this the surprise element, isn't it? Yeah. At the very end, it gets the big. Yeah. Or you hopefully gets the big laugh and stuff. <laughs> so there's a there's a lot of stuff that I've written, and I'm you know it's been shit, but there's a lot of stuff that I've written that's been good. So mm. yeah, yeah. So what about the so just within the like looking back at you know through the years and you know gradually becoming more established through it all. Uh, what was the best piece of advice that you received from a comedian? Because they in the back rooms of comedy clubs comedians are all at the back and the more experienced comedians will and do give you feedback when you when you you know you're just trying things out and that could be brutally honest it could be uh just little tips now and again oh i'd do it this way suggestions that kind of stuff what's the best piece of advice that you've received from a comedian yourself um it was probably when i was about three years probably less than about two or three years in Mm. I got to do a gig in uh, South Shields and it was like, um, it was their birthday show and they got a comedian on to headline and it was called Seymour Mace mm. from Newcastle. Yeah. Very, fu- very funny man. But he turned up, he turned up for the gig and he just looked like a normal bloke. He had a carrier bag, he had like a carrier bag <laughs> and he was just stood at the back. And I'd never met, I'd never met him before. So I didn't even know what he looked like. But to me, he just like, just looked like a normal normal bloke just stood at the back and um fair play to him he, he he stood and he watched every single comedian that was on that night and after i'd gone in i think i've done like a middle spot i've done like 10 or 15 minutes or whatever he came over to me and he just said i think your writing's excellent i think it's really good and um and he just he just gave me them them words of encouragement yeah. i think that's the the first time that i ever thought you know, there the might be something in this because he's a headliner. He's like mm. an established headliner. And I was just like a, just like a little middle spot, maybe doing it for like 20 quid or something like that, or like petrol expenses or something. So I, so even though he said like, I was really good. I had some really good material. My writing was really strong. That pretty much stuck with me. And that's kind of like encouraged me to carry on really. And... The, the big thing around the, the the comedy industry at the minute is cancel culture and that kind of stuff. It 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 always comes up. I'm I'm always banging on about it on the on this podcast and just saying how ridiculous the world has got. Sometimes when you, you can't be expected as a comedian to um 
to not talk about what you want to talk about and you can't be expected to understand if people are going through a bad time mentally or if they're uh, or if they've had a death in the family or something you know it, it, they can't you can't be expected to tailor your material around a crowd's feelings sometimes yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about the whole cancel culture uh, culture at the minute and how some comedians are um or if it, it, it feels like the when I watch a lot of American comedians, they're always fighting, or just any comedian, big established people on Netflix. It feels like they're they're all fighting back about it. There's always a bit within every comedian set at the minute is which is fighting back against cancel culture, which I love to see. I'm just curious to know your thoughts on it. Um, there was there's obviously certain subjects that I wouldn't joke about, mm. um, like serious subjects like murder or rape or something like that. Yeah. But other than that, I think everything else is pretty much fair game. Um, a lot, I know a lot of people go on there to to be offensive or to cause offence mm. and stuff like that. But I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them comedians that does that. So yeah. cancel culture, I don't really think affects me that much. However, having said that, I did get a letter from a solicitor once <laughs> about, <laughs> a, about a joke about a joke that I did. I did on stage. I still do it actually because I'm not bothered. <laughs> um, so a joke about my ex-wife when I got divorced. Oh, okay. And she found it. She found a clip of me doing this routine on YouTube. Right. So she wrote to a solicitor and asked me to stop doing it. And I'm like, well, no, because yeah. I don't. I don't name you. I don't. Yeah. I don't reference you. Yeah. Some of the some of the some of the ideas that are within the joke don't actually relate to what actually happened. There's yeah. a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of stuff that's made up and stuff. But I just thought that was just probably weird that she took the time out to make an appointment to go and see a solicitor, to write a letter, to, to ask me and to, to stop pay for doing that. Your... That won't be cheap at no, all. Sorry? It won't, that won't be cheap at all, will it? Getting a solicitor to do something. No. It's <laughs> like 30, 30, 40 quid. But I still do it. I still do it because it's a very good job. So. <laughs> If you're listening, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it, it, it's there, isn't it? It shows its face every now and again. Do, do, do you think comedy mm-hmm. crowds, comedy crowds have changed since the Will Smith thing recently? Uh, uh, no, not really, not really at all. I mean, I found out tonight because I've got a gig tonight. Yeah, I haven't had a gig for a couple of weeks, but okay. uh, no, I think um, I think a lot of people were quite worried about the fact because I mean. There's always that one thing where uh, if you if you do a gig and the the guy who's emceeing or the guy who's comparing always says, "Don't heckle the acts. If you want to heckle the acts, yeah. heckle me and stuff like that." Yeah. And I'm not really being prone to that. I I have had the odds heckling stuff, but um, I'm quite a dry. I'm quite a dry comedian, mm. so I'll just throw like throw like a one liner back at them. I won't be into like I'll try and nip it in the bud straight away if anyone yeah. tries to heckle. I'm not really one for much for uh, a crowd argument sort of thing, but I know a lot of comedians were a bit worried, especially with the Will Smith thing. If they say something offensive on stage, what's to stop people from getting up and mm. batting them in the face? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Does it worry you at all? Does it does it concern you in any way at all? It shouldn't. No, really, should it? no, no, not yeah. at all. Yeah. Not at all. Good on you. Good on you. <laughs> Is there how do how do you feel your style has developed over the years? When, you, when I first started out as a comedian, um, I, used to, I used to be a one liner. Used to be a one liner mm. comedian. Um, 
And I think that I think that's down to a few things. One of them is obviously nerves because mm. you're trying you're trying to get your five minutes done as quick as possible. You're trying to get as many laughs as you possibly can in the first five minutes, and you want to try and impress people as well. So I used to do a lot of I used to do a lot of one-liners, but now I do a lot of storytelling. Mm. Like some of the some of the stuff that I talk about maybe lasts about two or three minutes on stage. Yeah, and you've got to try and hone that to get the fact uh, where people are, people are still listening to what you're saying. So by the time you come to the end of it or by the time you come to the middle of it, still know what you're going on about. So so I've kind of changed quite a lot, to be honest. I mean, at, at the beginning, I won't lie, I just wanted laughter after laughter after mm-hmm. laughter. But as you, as you grow into a comedian, um, and like I said before, you try and do material that's relatable to people. I think they do want a bit more, bit more of a story behind it, sort of thing. Do you drive yourself mad while you're out and about, just like, oh, this could be a bit, this could be a bit, this could be a bit, this could be, do you know, just life's, life's around you. And do you have, how do you like, how do you gather together the thoughts or the ideas for jokes? Because I, I, I used to, have, I just used to put it on my phone, but I used to drive myself mad. Like everything can be a bit, can't it, around you, uh, potentially? Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, I've got, I've got a notepad, I've got a notepad on my phone. Yeah. So I'll just go in there and I'll just write a few bits down and stuff. Sometimes I used to have, I used to have a notepad next to me, you know, like when I went to sleep. <laughs> if I walk, yeah. if I woke up in the middle of the night, I'd write stuff down. But then when I wake up in the morning, I was like, "What is that?" Like a serial killer's high, <laughs> serial killer's notepad or something. It just don't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is that? What are you on about there? What am I about? <laughs> 12, 12 eggs and a ghost. What are you about? <laughs> so how, how do you, how, where do your ideas come from then? Talk us through how, well, don't give anything away, you know, but I mean. Um, I don't know, I just talk about my life, talk about my family, talk about, yeah. uh, talk about work and stuff like that, talk about jobs that I've had. Um, I think the, the, most, the most easiest thing I've probably learned from doing all this yeah. Write about write about what you know. Yeah. Don't write about what you don't know. Because if you write about what you know, you'll remember it. Mm. You'll you completely remember it. I used to I used to try and do a bit where I'd probably make up a scenario, but then when I was on stage, I was thinking, I can't even remember what happened next. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but but if you write about stuff that you know or about an experience that's yeah. happened to yourself, it's exclusive to you. And then you can you can share it and it'll become it become much more like an honest piece of work, really, because because you're talking about yourself, you're talking about your life. So, yeah, because I, I, I can't imagine much. anything more harder than trying to remember what to say for an hour. And it, is your new show that's coming out? Is that an hour now? Is it? Is it? Is it an hour? Yeah. So I've done. So this is my third. This is my third hour show that I've done. Yeah. Um, and I, and I kind of like this one. I think it's really good. Yeah. Um, first one I did. Uh, I did one because I used to be I used to be a benefit for all investigator okay. <laughs> for the local council. Um, so my first my first show was pretty much all about that yeah. how I got into it and stuff like that. So that was called Secret Agent Fran. Okay. Um, and my next show uh, was called Faith, Hope, and Garrity because that's my surname. Yeah. And this one's called Fifty Fifty. Um, I wrote it during lockdown. Um, story about like all the risks that I've taken or the chances that I've taken throughout my, throughout the course of my life. Yeah. Some of it's worked out, some of it's not worked out. And, um, 
pretty much like a gambling situation where it's like fifty mm. fifty. But I also turned fifty as well, so I thought I'd oh, tie that in as well. So, but the actual so it's all about the belief in it's yeah. all about the belief in probability as well and stuff as well. So the actual thought of the actual process of being able to remember something for an hour do you have like different five ten minute bits 20 minute bits that you stick together in your head how's the mechanics of a show fit in your head yeah so i'm talking about how, how i do it i don't know how anyone else yeah. does it but this is how i do it so i do them in like blocks of four or five mm. so i'd i'd start off with like a theme like maybe maybe this show 50 50 is probably yeah. got like four different themes within it okay so within those four themes i'll have maybe like five five or six bits Mm. that i want to try and put together and i try and tie them all in together so they all relate together at some point and then i just learn i just learn it as blocks so i have a block of four to start with then i know that moves on to that then i know that moves on to that Mm. and that moves on to that but hopefully the audience won't won't see see that that at all so, so you'll have a bit. Um, for example, I'll do a bit. I'll do I'll do a bit about lockdown and stuff like mm. that, and then that follows on from that bit to the government when everyone got furloughed, mm. and then that follows on to another bit about me getting me jabs and stuff like that. So that's the way I remember it: lockdown, government, jabs. So yeah. I just write them down as like three little keywords. So I have like one little one little word for each sort of segment that I'm going to be doing. And that I've I've learned all that segment off by heart, yeah. so I can just look at look at a bit, and it'll just say something like um, I don't know lockdown, and I'll remember all the what stuff that? that I've written about lockdown. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating how you how you how you get it all together. And do you have like a big chart where you map everything out? I've seen comedians do that before. Like so, so no, they'll, they'll, they'll have each section mapped out and ideas yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Just fascinating like process. Arrows. Yeah, there's arrows and drawings and, and uh, cockpits and all that kind of stuff because comedians are just amusing. Nah, can't be chewed with that, Carl. I'll just, I'll just have a post-it note. Yeah, that's okay, note fair enough. That's all, that's all I have, just a post-it note. Post-it note with one word on, or maybe two. <laughs> one of them says B and the other one says funny. B, funny, that's what it says. Well, the last time we chatted, you, you were very kind to do a bit of a Edinburgh diary for us uh, when Edinburgh Fringe and what that three years ago, two years ago. Yeah, it was two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. So selected to do uh, yeah. best in class, which was brilliant, actually. Yeah, the, the readers of RGM really enjoyed the comedy content we were putting out in, in Edinburgh. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. It's really good. I know you're not there this year. Is that is is that just because I presume it's just. Well, I know for a fact Edinburgh, even living there and getting there and everything is just so expensive. Um, how how come you're not there this year? Is it cost? Cost, cost, yeah, yeah. costing. Uh, I mean, when I did it in 2019, I didn't do the full run. I did mm. about ten, did about ten days of it. Yeah, when I was there back in 2019. Um, so, I, and when I was when I was there, it was it was like a showcase thing. So it was like mm. it was like. I think there was about half a dozen of us got selected to do this working class show and it was called best in class. Um, so we all got to do like anywhere between like a week or 10 days. Some of them overlapped and stuff like that. But I really wanted to try and take one of my own shows up there. So I think I'll probably do it with, uh, with 50, 50, yeah. but I'll probably do it next year. Mm. So in between now and the next 
nine, twelve months or whatever, I'll, I'll have the show completely honed. Yeah, that's right. Because there were a gang of you, weren't there? There were a, a, a gang of you going up there to make it affordable. I presume taking taking your own show up there, you know, having the cost of hiring your own place and marketing and yeah. all the work that yeah. goes on in uh, any kind of yeah. live show. I presume it's yeah. just a you know a lot more to do your own show. Yeah, and I think I think as well. I, th- I think you've got to get your show right before you go up there. Yeah. Otherwise. What's the point? You've spent all this money on accommodation and food and yeah. flyering and all marketing and stuff like this. But I think if you if you haven't got your show pretty much nailed down, mm. then you might be onto a losing battle straight off, yeah. really. Yeah. Um but no, it is very good experience. It's great to see it's great to see it's great to see it back in it, just having the fringe f- festival back and Oh yeah, like that. any any festival any yeah. festival really, even doing even actually doing a gig that's not on Zoom. Yes, <laughs> it's very good to do. Well, I had, t- I, had t- I had Tom Bins on the podcast, um, uh-huh. and he's got his own van, and he started doing gigs on top of his van. Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Just to keep Many doing couple. it. Yeah, l- yeah, brilliant, brilliant. So radio as well. You've, so radio, um, you know, you've got this radio show on Radio Zetland. Um, yeah. So you still, so you, were you doing that through lockdown as well? I can remember still seeing your face on Facebook with your funny videos and your introduction videos that I very that I enjoy from your car. I do enjoy them. All right, cheers, man. Um, yeah, so again, lockdown was a bit weird because uh, mm. what we had to do, the, the radio station technically shut down. Uh, yeah. Nobody was allowed in it. So we had to uh, get all our gear and microphones and stuff like that and record the show at home. Yeah. So I'd be, doing, I'd be doing voice links for songs that I wasn't even technically playing because because I'd just do the voice links and then drop them into a folder and then they'd get added to the show and stuff. Yeah. And then um, and then I was kind of, it was kind of weird to do with it first, because I don't know if you, if, as, a, as a presenter, you'd like to have, you'd like to have an audience, but mm. if you're just voice tracking some songs, you don't really know who's listening. It's very difficult to do. Very difficult it to sounds do. Like you, it sounds like you've taught yourself how to do a podcast and you're a comedian, you must have a podcast, no? No, no, I haven't got a podcast. Too busy. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Well, do one, mate. I'd listen to it. I, I, I like hearing your voice, mate. And uh, I'm, no, I think, live in Manchester now, so I can't quite get yeah, Radio Zetland, unless it's online. Is it online as well? Uh, well, you can get it on your smart speaker. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got one, of, got one of them. Yeah. You just say, play Zetland FM, it'll yeah. come on. Right. But we have just applied for uh, a, digit, a DAB licence. Right, okay. So we'll find out by the end of the year whether or not we got it. Uh, hopefully it'll be successful, but then, like, more people can listen to it, so... So, first gig, and is it your first gig for a while tonight, or is it your first outing of 50-50? Uh, what, what's the gig tonight? No, uh, you mentioned tonight, it. tonight we're doing a fundraiser for Ukraine. Right. So, um, there's a few Teesside comedians doing it. Uh, Catherine Young, Matty Oxley, Carl Gillespie, Dean Moore, and I'm headlining, and it's in Saltburn. Um, I've, my car's been off the road for a couple of weeks. My car broke down on the way home from a gig once in Mask, which wasn't very nice. I was literally 10 minutes away from home. And, uh, Three-hour call out. Oh, Brilliant. <laughs> so I just left it there. I just left my car in the middle of a roundabout. The uh, the injectors, one of the injectors has gone on the engine. Oh, so not very Never good, ends. very costly, very yeah. costly. So I've only just got my car back. So I have had gigs, but I've not been able to do them. 
Okay. Because I've had no trans- I've had no transport and stuff, so so, what, so I've got a, I've got a gig tonight, and then I'm very yeah. busy. I'm very busy next month. I've got quite a few next month. Okay, well, tell us about what you've got coming up next month, and we'll put a ticket link on this podcast so people can come come in and join right. the show, mate. What have we got? Oh, you're very prepared. Is it all on there? Uh, it's all in here, here man. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to rock to uh, read my password out. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've got a couple of solo shows coming up right. for 50-50. One of them's in Middlesbrough on the 13th yeah. of May, which is two weeks today. Yeah. And then I'm doing it again in Whitley Bay on the 26th of May. Mm-hmm. Um, there is um, sketch sketch for Sammy. I don't know whether you've heard of this. It's like a no. big northeast thing no, uh, where a lot of comedians and a lot of musicians uh, go to Newcastle City Hall and perform. Like mm. I think it's called Sunday for Sammy. It's normally called. So they're doing this um, this one called Sketch for Sammy, where loads of writers have got together to write like little different sketches and stuff. Mm. That's at the Customs House in South Shields. But I'll be doing like a little comedy spot in between them, doing the sketches and stuff like that. Uh, I'm also in Rotherham on the 21st of May, and I'm in Preston towards the end of the May as well. And then in between that, I've obviously got my my radio shows on Setland and FM. Yeah, man. All on top of a full-time job as well, is it? Well, I say (laughs) full-time. Flexi time. Oh, flexi okay, time. fair enough. But still, it's it's, it's a lot to do. I, I, I know I work full time and I do all the RGM stuff on top of the work. It, it's a commitment, isn't it? And you, and you wouldn't do it if you didn't love it, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. That That's what people say to me. Not only about, like, comedy, but to do with radio as well. They're like, mm. why why do you put so much effort into it? It's yeah. just because I love it. I mean, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be chill. I wouldn't bother with it, do you know what I mean? But I absolutely love doing live radio, and I love doing live live stand up. There's no, there's no, there's no better feeling to be honest. Which one would you, you pick? Never, you never which know, one would you pick? You if, never you, know if, you could, if you could only pick one, which one would you go for? Radio. Would you? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are quite surprised about that. Yeah. Only because um, radio was my first. It was my first love. Mm. Radio. Um, I did, I did, I did it for quite some time when I was a bit younger. Um, then I took a break for a bit. Then comedy started, but then someone got me on the radio as a result of the back of the comedy sort of thing. So it kind of works both ways and stuff. But um, you know, I absolutely love doing the radio. Not to say that I don't love doing stand up. Stand up's class. Yeah, I love doing stand up as well. But if you had to take a choice between one or the other, probably be radio. And I tell you why as well because I've got a studio next door. And I'll be able to be able to sit in my house, do my shows, finish my shows, have a cup yes. of tea, watch a bit of telly, go yeah. not I travel don't. all the way <laughs> to Scotland for 10 minutes <laughs> in a bare pit. Yeah. No, I get, I get it, mate. And, and we applaud the hard work that you comedians uh, do. I've said it many a times when, I'm in, when, when, I, when we have a comedian on, that the hard work that goes on behind the scenes is never really rewarded. Um it's just it's self satisfaction into it and you you've, you've got to have a drive to be to get anywhere in comedy or even music you know being in a band they're always on the road and for for years without yeah. any kind of money that comes into while they're honing the craft yeah. it's a similar kind of thing that way that's why i like it um uh, what, you you never know what's around the corner you never know what's it, going it opens up opportunity putting yourself out of your comfort zone like i did with comedy yeah. it op- opened ended up me running our gem in a weird way it just opened mm-hmm. up opportunities and things happened. 
Um, yeah. So I, I, I just love that uh, comedy, even though if, you, if your career's not necessarily progressing or it doesn't feel like it is. It will be. It's just, you know, yeah. the, the stars haven't aligned yet. No, and you do, you're doing all right, Carl, aren't you? I'm you're fucking loving life, yourself. mate. I love it. I, I love I love how I've ended up and just you know Good. just speaking to people online and doing what we do, going to gigs all the time. I watch a lot of comedy. I just I just love comedy and music, so I just surround myself with it and I love it. Yeah, same, same. So one one thing I like to finish any kind of interview off is is give us a few names of other comedians out there that you're enjoying at the minute that people watching this video. Well, 100% click on your links that are going to be in the description of this podcast first, obviously. But like, who else is up and coming in the comedy world at the minute that you think would appreciate a bit of a shout out and a bit of, a, and a bit of love of, online? There's loads. Mm. There's absolutely loads. We'll be here for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two minutes left on Zoom because I don't pay for it. <laughs> uh, right. I'm, I'm going to mention people, right? But then if I don't mention people... Oh, okay. And they... The, they'll be like they should understand well the better so I'm putting that little thing in now Go so on. if okay. I've missed your name off yeah. tough <laughs> uh, but from from the north east uh, you've got me myself obviously yes. uh, Kath, Catherine Young she's very good up and coming Matty Oxley who runs some really nice gigs as well Phil Smith who you might know online is Ted Hangy very good as well so I'd, I'd recommend those from the north east and then further afield uh, you've obviously got people like, you know, like you've had him on Scott Bennett, mm. uh, Adam Rowe, Freddie Quinn, Bob Mulholland, those type of people. Um, always make me laugh. Always make me laugh. Love it, mate. Love it, mate. I really appreciate your time. Is there anything that you just want to say to the people that are watching this video? Uh, any kind of message direct from yourself for the fans of Fran that might just be joining us today? That's, that, that's what I was going to say as well. One of the yeah. good things about, like, well, if I've got time, I will say it. Um, one of the things, like, when, when you create your own show yeah. and, and people buy tickets just to come and see your show, that is the, that is the best feeling in the I world. Imagine, yeah. yeah, It honestly is. Because uh, uh, you feel the pressure's taken off you ever so slightly yeah. because, they've come, because they've come to see you. It's like a normal, instead of a normal comedy night or even a music night where they just buy tickets just to go and see this band yeah. or whatever. I think it's really special when uh, when yeah. you actually purchase tickets for yourself. So get out there, guys! Catch Fran on his tour. Watch his special, mate. Really appreciate your time. Um, if anyone, I, if anyone I, wants to book my show, yes, get in touch and I'll put it on somewhere. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks, Fran, for joining us down here at the RGM Experience Podcast. Very much appreciated, mate. Thank you. Yep, as we mentioned at the beginning, right at the top of this podcast, I think they say in Radio Land, uh, you can, in the description of this podcast, on YouTube and whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, thanks for joining us, by the way, thank you, I'm speaking to you, thank you. Uh, yeah, pop into the description and you'll see links for Fran's show, 5050, uh, all over the place. And thanks, Fran, for joining us for a lovely chat, mate, nice one, thank you. So yeah, it's my birthday. 44. What an age. Coming into it. Just just getting in, easing into life now. Just uh, getting used to it all. Starting to figure out what it's all about. Ah. 
Yeah. Yeah, stay tuned to RGM for the next week, ladies and gentlemen. RGM.press. Go out there into the world and earn a few quid. Open up opportunities for yourself. Put yourself out of your comfort zone and just try new things. Be optimistic about life. Turn off the news. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Toodle ooh. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scotsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.